0: I know you know that there are so many powerful voices inside and outside of the church that basically saying to us that you can have it all, here and now. You can have it all. The amazing thing about this is that the Bible tells us that those who are Bible-believing Christians are going to get it all. Did you believe that? All right. But the difference between their all and our all is like day and night. Their all is material and present things. Our all is spiritual and supernatural. Their all will be lost at death. Our all will last for all of eternity. I read not long ago that this generation in the United States of America, this generation— is poised to inherit between seven to ten trillion dollars in the next few years. So in the next ten to twenty years, just think about this, upward of ten trillion dollars is going to be received by this generation, be handed to them, never worked a day in their life for it. They actually get it because of accident of birth. And when I read this, I thought of how some people probably sitting there waiting for Uncle Uncle or Aunt Snookum's to kick the bucket. (laughs) In fact, I'm told that inheritance has become a huge business. But having lived as long as I have and seen what I have seen across the globe, I've also seen how some of these inheritances causes heartbreak among family members. I've seen with those eyes how much grief and fallout among siblings and, and cousins, how causes separation of families, and it causes alienation of family members. It causes resentment and bitterness and anger. I've seen it all. Now, please understand, before I get to the message, I am not against leaving an inheritance. In fact, the book of Proverbs, where it says it's good for a person to leave inheritance to their children's children. So, I'm not against inheritance. Don't misunderstand me, okay? But as my dear friend, the late Raw Ludwig, used to say, you better not leave material inheritance or material legacy without leaving a spiritual legacy. But let me tell you a few things about our real inheritance. You can never lose it in the stock market. It can never be destroyed by fire. It cannot be taken away by Uncle Sam or anybody else for that matter. You cannot leave it behind. You take it with you. It is far greater than all of the trillions of dollars that this world could ever give. In fact, I love really the way kids sometimes use humor and wisdom when they're in trouble. This nine-year-old girl asked her mom, she said, "Mom, do you know that vase or vase, excuse me, that's in the living room that you said has been passing from generation to generation." She said, "Of course I do." She said, "Well, this generation dropped it." I read this week about the husband who and wife were fighting with each other, and they were going at it, and she really got so irate with her husband, and she said, I know the reason you married me is because my grandfather left me a million dollars. He said, don't be silly. I don't care who left it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Love the truth, right? Now, let me speak confidently to parents and grandparents. Let me speak confidently that there is an inheritance that you can leave your children and your grandchildren that can never be dropped, can never be broken, can never be stolen, can never be taken away, and that is godly living and godly modeling. Amen? Someone said misers are not much fun to live with but they make wonderful ancestors. <laughs> Talking about ancestors, uh, there was a Christian man who had a heart attack and was in the hospital, and the doctor said, you must never ever cause anything that caused him excitement. You must be very careful, and one visitor at a time, no excitement, otherwise the heart attack will get worse. And so they really gave the family very strict instructions, and, and so they heard that he just inherited a million dollars. And he didn't know what to say, how to tell him this, because he could get excited. So finally, they went to the pastor. Always lay it on the pastor. They said, Pastor, could you help us with this? He said, Sure, I'll handle it. And so he went on over there and began to talk to him slowly but surely, and led the conversation all the way. And then finally, the pastor looked at the patient, and he said, "Um, What would you do if you inherit a million dollars? And the man said, Well, I give half of it to the church. Then the pastor had a heart attack. Well, today, I want to look at a thousand-year-before-Christ's-birth prophecy. It's about Christ, but it's also about our inheritance in Christ. Psalm 16 prophesied regarding our inheritance. The psalmist looked through the eyes of faith, a thousand years down the road, and he saw the indescribable inheritance that's in Christ. And so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David discovered how believers in Jesus are going to get it all, getting it all. So if you would turn with me, Psalm 16 has been going through the series of select psalms, mostly has to do with the Messianic psalms, a clever preacher who was preaching from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, where Peter talks about the inheritance of the saints. This clever pastor came up with a very clever, cutesy outline, and talking about the inheritance we have in Christ, he said, first of all, our inheritance is galvanized. It is unperishable. Secondly, he said, our inheritance is germ-proof, undefiled. Thirdly, our inheritance is Grecian-formulated, unfading. Our inheritance is guaranteed, it's preserved in heaven. Well, as you know, I'm not that cutesy and I'm not that clever, but I have a very straightforward, simple outline to Psalm 16. I'm going to say it slowly, so if you're taking notes, write it down. In verses 1 to 4, David tells us about the condition of our inheritance. In verses 5 and 6, he tells us about the content— of that inheritance. And then in verses 7 to 11, he tells us about the culmination of our inheritance. Look with me, please. First, the condition of our inheritance. Now, God's word said those who have an inheritance in Christ and with Christ, they are totally under his sovereign control. They are totally owned and operated by his sovereign plan. They are conscious of the fact that their very breath is in His hand. They know that they can persevere, and they are preserved in Christ. They know that they are totally engulfed by His everlasting arms. In fact, David's prophecy here in these four verses, that's the first four verses, he mentioned three different names of God, just in four verses. El, Yahweh, Adonai. He mentions them all in the Hebrew language. Now, we saw in the last message, El describes the omnipotence of God. El describes the all-powerful God, the almighty God. El describes the all-sovereign God. We also saw that Yahweh has represents different character of God. He is the covenant-making God. He is the covenant-keeping God. Adonai is the Hebrew word which means He is the Lord, my Lord. He is the King, my King. And here, He puts them all together, all three completed meaning of who God is. El, Yahweh, Adonai. Say it with me. El, And He gives us the full picture of God in the first four verses of this psalm. He is saying He is not only my maker, He is my mediator, and He is my master. And because He is all of that to me, therefore, no fear will ever haunt me. No worry will ever possess me. No anxiety will be my companion. No fear that can daunt me. Why? Because the condition of my inheritance is being guaranteed by Him. Uh, The condition of my inheritance is protected by Him because the condition of my inheritance is my complete preservation in His hands. But the psalmist really saying something even stronger than that. He's saying, El Yahweh Adonai means much more to me than that. Besides Him, Nothing and no one will ever mean to me more than Him. But He's also giving us a very subtle test to know if you meet the conditions of that inheritance. And if I meet the condition of that inheritance. A very subtle test. What's that test? Look at it with me. Ask yourself the question, do I seek the companionship of the Lord more than anybody else in life? Do I seek the companion of those who seek his companionship more than anybody else in life? Do I feel uncomfortable in the company of those who openly sin? Do I find that the values of the godless trouble me? Does the lifestyle of the godless repulse me? That's the test he gives us here. It's a very subtle test, but it's here. That's the test by which I can know if I'm meeting the conditions for that inheritance. You will know where you are. Nobody else does except you and God. If you are like Peter, finding yourself warming your hands at the fire of those who are hostile to Christ, be very careful because denial of Christ is around the corner. Are you with me? So the first, the condition— of the inheritance. Secondly, the content of the inheritance. I hear and read about people who go to a public hearing of a will. They can't wait to go and hear. But you see, we know what it is. We don't have to wait for the public hearing. We have it. Verse 5, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. Let me put this psalm in its historic context, because without understanding why David, at that particular point in his life, write those words, you would think that he had written them when he was a powerful king sitting on the throne of Israel, and you say, yeah, of course, I mean, he has made it. No, you have to understand when he wrote this psalm, and that should be a comfort and encouragement to every single person who's at the sound of my voice. Most theologians agree that David wrote this psalm when he was a fugitive from King Saul. King Saul was chasing David all over the countryside of Israel, the land of Israel. And when David, being chased and running from cave to cave, he was deprived of his inheritance. You see, most of us know that when Joshua led the people of God into the land of promise— They divided the land, and each tribe got a certain inheritance, except for the Levites. They didn't get one. That inheritance passed from generation to generation to generation of the people of God. David's share of that inheritance was in the fields and the farms of Bethlehem, because that's where he came from. That's his origin. That's why Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You see, as long as Saul was on the throne of Israel, David was deprived of his inheritance. As long as Saul hunting David from place to place to place, he was deprived of his inheritance. Even his parents, if you read the Scripture, you see very clearly, his parents became fugitives too, and they joined him in the land of Moab. Here's a lesson for all of us. When you find yourself in David's place. When you find yourself in the stuff circumstances as David found himself, instead of crying the blues, instead of feeling sorry for himself, instead of saying, "woe me! Instead of becoming bitter and angry, he said, forget about my earthly inheritance. <laughs> I have a far greater one. The Lord Himself is my inheritance. Amen. Listen, I know we sing, I would rather have Jesus than silver and gold, I would rather have Jesus than riches untold. It's like a Scottish friend of mine said, hymns made more liars (laughs) out of us (laughs) than the devil. Listen to me, when the push comes to shove, I wonder how many of us truly can say, I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. Now, I don't mean silver and gold, the metal, silver and gold. Maybe it's important to some, but no. Whatever your silver and gold is, it could be different between you and the person sitting next to you. What your silver and gold is might not be that person's silver and gold. Silver and gold for you might be a person. Silver and gold might be some things. Whatever it is, your silver and gold, can you truly say, I would rather have Jesus than this, whatever this is? How easy for us to sing. (laughs) Look at verse 6. David said, the lions have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yay, I have godly inheritance. I'm sure there are some here who would want to ask David some questions, especially if you're going through a tough time. I know because I'm not a stranger to tough times and difficult times. I'm sure you want to ask David, David, my buddy, Get real here. (laughs) David, you're a fugitive. You're going from cave to cave. David, you are running from rock to rock. David, you have a stone for a pillar at night when you go to sleep. David, (laughs) you are hunted like a rabbit. David, you have nowhere to lay your head. David, you have nowhere to rest. Oh, but David would say, the boundaries, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely, I have a delightful inheritance in the middle of this. Beloved, those of us who live by sight and not by faith, and we all have those moments when we cease to live by faith and live by sight, those of us who want David to get real and be realistic, I can hear David to be saying, you see, you don't understand. You don't understand. <laughs> this is a life of faith. This is seeing the unseen. This is a life that is complete in El Yahweh Adonai. <laughs> El Yahweh Adonai is my inheritance, and that's everything. No wonder God honored David Listen, we all know about his failures. We all know about his foibles. We all know about his problems. We all know that, but God still honored him because of David's faith. David says, you want to place your trust in your material possessions? Good luck with that. <laughs> Do you want to trust your statement of net worth? That's your choice. As for me, I am placing my trust in the glorious eternal inheritance. Amen. You know, every statistics I read, it says that the baby boomers in our culture are bored out of their minds because all of their focus is on this life. The younger generation who have unrealistic expectations, they're frustrated. They're restless and they're depressed. Because the focus on earthly inheritance, not eternal inheritance, always makes your problems worse. So many people look at others, and they compare themselves with others, and then they get depressed. David would say to all of us, that's not me. That's not me. Regardless of my current circumstances, I know that I have a fantastic future. I am going to get it all. <laughs> you might want it all now, but I'm going to get it all. And it's going to get it, and it's going to stay with me. Uh, you say, David, how come? How come, David would say to you, because I remember back yonder in my father Jesse's home. There was an old prophet by the name of Samuel. He came over there. And he poured oil on me, and oil on my head. And he told me that God has a plan for my life. He told me that I have an incorruptible inheritance. I have an inheritance that no one can steal from me. Inheritance that no one can take away from me. Inheritance that no one can deprive me of. Inheritance that no one can exclude me from. An inheritance that can never, never, never be lost. Beloved, listen, you may be going through your own private Gethsemane right now. I don't know, you do. You may be going through some puzzling times and say, God, why is this? Why is that? God, why? Why am I here? I thought I would have been there. Now I'm here. You may be going through unspeakable pain that only you and God know. Like David, you can say, back yonder, Jesus came into my life. Jesus promised eternal life to me. Jesus forgave me all of my sins. Jesus saved me eternally. Jesus promised me an inheritance with Him. Jesus assured me that He has a plan for my life. Jesus promised me that I will reign and rule with Him forever. And therefore no matter what I go through right now, no matter how dark it appears right now, no matter how difficult things are right now, no matter how tough my circumstances may appear, my boundaries have fallen for me in a pleasant place. Amen. Amen. The condition of our inheritance, the content of our inheritance... Thirdly, the culmination of our inheritance. Look with me, please, at verses 7 all the way to the end. What is he saying here? He's saying that in this life, my life is guided by El Yahweh Adonai, not Dr. Phil. I have nothing against the man, but be careful where you get your advice. In this life, I am guarded… By El Yahweh Adonai, (laughs) not by a government program. In this life, I'm gladdened by God, not how much I have or don't have. Not only that, but in eternity, I'm going to inherit the whole universe. (laughs) Psalm 16, verse 10. Look at it carefully, underline it if you have your own Bible. It's a very important verse because it's quoted by both Peter and Paul in the New Testament, verse 10. And the New Testament writers have made it very clear that this verse is fulfilled in Jesus Christ at the resurrection. Therefore, this 1,000-year-old prophecy, it says that you will not abandon me to the grave— nor will you let your Holy One see decay. And see, that's why the body of Jesus was in the grave only three days. It did not see decay. The reason our own resurrection is sure is because Jesus' resurrection is sure. Because of Jesus' resurrection, I shall never die. I shall never die. It's like Moody used to say when you hear... The old moody died don't believe them. I'll be more alive than I've ever lived. Because of Jesus' resurrection, I shall live forever. Because of Jesus' resurrection, I shall reign and rule with him for all of eternity. Because of Jesus' resurrection, I share Jesus' own inheritance. Question. How much is that inheritance? How much of that are you going to inherit? I remember the days I was living in California when Howard Hughes died, who supposed at the time was a rich man, and now there are a lot of people richer than him now. But back then, and the media was running around asking the lawyer, he said, how much did he leave? How much did he leave? And the lawyer said, all of it. <laughs> how much of that inheritance are we going to have? Are we going to inherit? Well, it's not measured by millions or billions or trillions. No, it's measured by the billions of galaxies. That's how it's measured. In comparison to what our inheritance is in the universe, this planet Earth is a drop in a big bucket. Verse 11, In your presence there is fullness of joy. You know, I was reading about Henrietta Guinness, the heiress to the Guinness fortune. She took her own life at the age of thirty-five. With all that money, with all that wealth, she took her own life, and she said, I would give it all for a moment of joy. Think about this. (laughs) And yet, we will have joy, not for a moment, but forevermore. Not just for a short period of time, but forever. I want to share this historic event with you as I bring this message to a conclusion and a challenge. In the first century Rome, when a young man achieved the legal age, the legal status, now in Judaism, bar mitzvah, which is the age of 12, this was around the same age, 12, 13, 14. It was customary for the father of the boy to take his son to the forum, where there are masses of people there, and there publicly— at this public platform, the father would say to the citizens of the city, This is my son. He has now come of age. He inherits my name, he inherits my property, and he inherits my social position. Then he will take off the boy's togo, and then he will put on him what is known as togo virilis. That is a man's robe. And from that moment on, it becomes known that all that the Father is or has belongs to the Son. I'm getting ready to shout because I know what I'm going to say. (laughs) In a far greater way, when you surrender your life to Christ, God the Father says, All that Jesus has is yours. All that Jesus is, is yours. All that Jesus inherits, you inherit. All that Jesus accomplished is your accomplishment. All that Jesus righteousness, is your righteousness. All of Jesus' authority is your authority. All that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. There's more than that. There's more. One day, one day, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to stand at the forum of the universe, and He will take yours and my human body, and He will give us heavenly bodies, glorified bodies, supernatural bodies, and He will declare to every creature and every created being, You are a joint heir with me. (laughs) Now, my beloved friends, this is an inheritance worth singing about. This is an inheritance worth waiting for. This is an inheritance. is worthy of the name, inheritance. Do you have it? Well, if you don't, You can ask, come to Him in humility and repentance, confessing your sins. And the Bible said that moment, in a literal moment, your life be transformed from death to life, and you can do it now. But I want to speak to those who know they have it. I know the majority of you know the Lord Jesus. You know your inheritance. You forget it when you get busy with this life's problems. The question I have for you is this. Why are you living as if you don't have it? Why are you living as if you don't have that inheritance? Why are you living in defeat and in sorrow and in desperation and not trusting in the God of your inheritance? Why? Ask that question and don't rest until you answer it. Because I believe with all my heart it is the will of the Father for us to live in the power of the Son. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.